was at an ordination council yesterday, um, a, a couple of young guys uh, who've been in one of my huddles uh, with their parents and other members of their kind of regional leadership team in the vineyard denomination. Uh, I've been kind of investing in them for a year or so and uh, they wanted me to be part of a council that just asked them questions about their faith and their journey and their life and their calling and their sense of ministry and it was just a real privilege to be there. And it was fun just kind of sitting there and listening to what it was that people were saying and sharing. And um, I was wearing these shoes. And um, I like these shoes, they're really kind of comfortable. And um, I, uh, I noticed that on one of the shoes, there was, a, there was a little thread sticking out, and it's about an inch long. And it was this thread. And uh, can you see that thread? And I, I started pulling, so I'm sitting on the front row, I, in, in the front row of this kind of ordination council, kind of august group of people, you know, should we ordain them or not, you know. And, um, and I'm starting to pull this thread, and it's starting to get to the point where I'm thinking, I don't know, I, I don't know what I'm gonna do now. So, and I just kept on pulling it, and then I kept on pulling it, and I kept on pulling it, and kept on pulling it, and I'm kind of looking around and thinking, has anybody else noticed what is going on right now? And it just kept on coming out, and I'm thinking, is my trouser leg getting shorter? Is, what, where's this coming from? And um, it just kept on coming out, and uh, it's 60 feet. It's 60 feet of thread. And I thought to myself, it's just like Philippians chapter two. <laughs> and you say, Philippians chapter two, isn't that the chapter that we're doing today? Yeah, it is. But like all the chapters in the New Testament, it gives you a choice. It gives you a choice of endlessly attempting self-improvement or finding another way. Endlessly attempting, just like pulling on the thread and thinking, this is never gonna end. Endless attempts at self-improvement. Anybody ever heard of that being the agenda in certain Christians' lives? Yeah. Today, we're going to find the alternative. And we're going to do it together because all of Scripture is inspired and has been designed by a Heavenly Father who has sent the Holy Spirit to breathe out Scripture. The, the word is inspired. And so Scripture has been breathed out through the the agents that God chose to use down through the centuries in the Old Testament period and in the New. And their lives, like the stained glass windows here in Apex Gathering Room, their lives are different. Each person is individual, and yet the same light animates them and shines through them. 
And so these individuals, you, you get a sense of their personality, you get a sense of who they are, and yet, even with all of that, God honoring who they are, God honoring who it is that he's made them to be, he shines through them with the same light. And that, and that light has a, has a singular purpose. That light is to bring life to us. And so today, be ready, because the light of God's word is about to shine on you. And as the light of his word shines on you, it's going to illuminate you and illuminate the people around you. The great thing about what it is that we do with the scriptures is that we assume that everybody is equal as they come to this book because it doesn't matter how much education you've got, it doesn't matter how much experience you've got with this word, God speaks to everyone who's prepared to listen. And because, and because he speaks to everyone who's prepared to listen, we want to find a way, a, a method by which we can hear the multifaceted ways in which God wants to reveal himself. Wouldn't it be boring if we only had yellow glass in the stained glass windows? But we have multicolors. And so this multitude of people here with all of their experiences are gonna be illuminated right now as we read the word together. And as, as he illuminates us, he's gonna cause that light to shine on us and through us. So let's read. Philippians chapter two and verse one. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So let's read this together and let's remember how it is that we've got to this point in Philippians. We've been looking at what it is that Paul is doing here. He's, he's writing a letter to a group of Christians who have sent him support so that he can continue to function in Rome under house arrest. This is the first church that he planted in Europe in a city called Philippi. It was first planted in the home of a woman called Lydia and then was multiplied so that there was another congregation in the home of the jailer where he was imprisoned. And so Paul is writing back to these people who have demonstrated that they want to be partners with him because they're giving of their resources to partner in what it is that Paul is doing. And some of you have heard that and, um, and some of you have realized that maybe your partnership in the gospel that we're called to share here at Apex needs to increase. And so we've seen an increase in giving in these last few weeks. 
please continue to consider that as we continue to journey together learning what it is that God wants us to do. We're all equal here, but it's much, much more difficult to be here if you're not serious about being a disciple. And so, so we remember the things that, that Jesus has been speaking to us over these last few weeks, the way in which the gospel works. That was great from Jason last week. I watched online, it was awesome. It's been so much fun to hear the ways in which God wants to thread together the revelation that he brings to us in this book. And so today, we come to this point and we're asking God to speak to us. Now, maybe that you're unfamiliar with this and you've not really been kind of aware or cognizant of God speaking to you in particular ways. And so this is what I'd encourage you to do. As you read this passage again now in the quiet, I'll stop talking, I promise, in a minute. When you read this passage again now in the quiet, just ask yourself, what is it that interests me? What is it that's highlighted? What is it that that grabs me? Is it a word, is it a phrase, is it an idea, is it a word picture? What is it that grabs me as I read these few verses again? And then I'll give you the next step. So let's read it together quietly. something struck you what was it if you could just find a person near you it may be the same person that was sitting there last week you know you may be related and it may be that um, it may be that last week you kind of read the passage listened to the passage heard what it was that God was saying and you made an intention last week you kind of made a decision last week that you were going to go after certain things this this week when you're sharing with the other person right now what it is that you see in the passage maybe it maybe it'd be good to if you can remember maybe it'd be good to say last week this is what I got and this was the intention I made this week this is what I'm seeing because what we're trying to do you see is we're trying to pick up the threads of God's revelation in our life So it's a bit more complicated than normal. So share with the other person. If you can remember, if you're like me, sometimes you can't remember the intention. But if you can remember your intention from last week, then share that and then share the highlight from the passage that you've got. Just one person near you. And if there's nobody near you, I promise you, somebody in the building will like you. So go and find them, okay? Just, let's just do that right now. 
This young fella over here is all by himself. Look at him. Somebody's got to help him. Now it might be that there's just one person talking, they're probably just the extrovert, so make sure the other person says something too. All right. Uh, what about anybody desperate to help me with the microphone this morning? <laughs> are you gonna help me over there? Is it, are you gonna, you gonna help Aiden do that? Is that, is that okay? Is that cool? Okay, grab this, this, grab this microphone over here. Aiden's going to help us this morning. That'll be awesome. And you're going to help us as well. Thanks, bro. Thank you. All right. So how do we get on? Aiden, this is so fun. Isn't this great? So Aiden, you're on this side over here. So if you go up, up and down that aisle there and... Um, you may have to run around a bit more here, that, if that's all right. Okay, all right. So, what have we got? What are the, what are the highlights that we're, we're, that we're sensing in the passage? Anybody want to get us going, get us started? It's little, right there. Tell us your name. And then share what it is that you've got. There were too many, but I'll pick one. It's my joy. Now, what's your name? Sorry, what was your name? Thank you, yeah. Is my joy made complete by the progress of the gospel in the lives of those around me? Okay, so now what version what? of the Bible are you using there? Uh, ESV. I'm oh. just paraphrasing. But you uh, say that again? I'm paraphrasing if it's not exact quote, but J Paul says his joy is being made complete yeah. by the advance of the gospel. And okay, so, so, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense of joy being made complete And what is the complete joy that he's getting? It's the advance of the gospel in the lives of the people around him. Yeah, so, so the gospel in lives of people around him. Is that, is that, a, is that a good yeah. paraphrase? Yeah. Great, thank you. Good. What about over here? Right there. I am Tyler, hey, Tyler. and um, he gives us all these different directions in order to advance the gospel, but we are only to do these things if we have encouragement, if we have comfort, if there's participation, if there's affection and sympathy. So you only do these things if you have that. He's not asking people that don't meet these criteria to do these things. It's only if. Very good. So 
if suggests that there are conditions that make it possible. Is that a way to say it? Yeah? Is that fine, fine Tyler? Great. What about over here? Can you see hands that I can't see? Oh, yeah. You, okay. Yeah, he's making you run. Right there. My name is Greg, and I want to follow up on what was just said. That was very good. Yeah. To me, I want to focus on the word then. This is a classic if then. And the then implies do you see those things? Do you see what Paul longs to see uh, both in Apex and in the greater church? And if you don't see them, it causes you to question the list of ifs. So, do you see those things that Paul sees? Yeah? Yes. And how do you acquire them? How do you get them? Yeah, very good. Very good. I love it. Aiden, can you. We got a. We got, is it right there? Okay. And then we're going to get to you in a minute, if that's okay. And then over here somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go for it. Hello, I'm Dave. Hey, uh, Dave. Hi. The. Uh, what really stood out to me was the uh, <clears throat> giving, or the, I'm sorry, lost my train of thought. It was the, uh, they uh, had to think of others first, and that, that was the mind of Christ. And that's the only way they became unity was uh, yeah. when they thought of others first. Yeah. That's what brought them together. Yeah. It so, was the unity, and that's and it goes on to say that is the mind of Christ. That's, yeah, and that's how he was. It it took all his pain away. Mm. Was when he thought of others. Yeah, he didn't focus on himself or his pain. He focused on others' needs and the need to spread the gospel. Okay, so unity through the mind of Christ that helped. you focus on others. Is that about right, David? Yeah, he's the, if we have a role model, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, We Very have so good. many role models in this day and age. But. Very good. Awesome, I love it. What about over right there, and then I think there was a hand over there, Aiden. Right there, look. Yeah. Good morning, my name is Cindy. Hello, Cindy. The verses that just uh, interests me in this uh, verse 3 and verse 4 do nothing out of the selfish ambition or vain conceit mm. rather value others above yourself not looking to your own interests but others I, sometimes when I read that I actually feel guilty Yeah. because I feel if I put my needs above others I feel selfish and almost in a way that could almost be weaponized against the vulnerable. Yeah. But what is the hope in that is verse two, the verse two above it, where it says being like-minded and having the unity, being one in spirit and one in, one in mind. Yeah. And so that provides the mutual submission to one another. Very as, good. As we're one in Christ. So, so this is really important, isn't it? 
because the, the, and we'll talk about this in a minute when I get my little say. One of the things that's very common amongst religious people, and if you're here today, then you're like me. You've got a kind of a thing with religion. Yeah? Religious people tend to focus on their own behavior and the behavior of others. And they tend to create criteria by which they can judge themselves and judge others. And so what we do then, as very interesting use of words there, is that we weaponize the instructions of scripture against ourselves and against others. And of course, that's exactly the opposite thing that God wants us to do. It's exactly the opposite thing that he wants us to do. He wants us, first of all, to recognize that there is an absolute fundamental equality that is created by him because he's the creator and the savior of all. So that's a fundamental equality. And when he says, make, make this, this intention to, to consider others better than yourself, it's not saying make yourself less than others. It's not saying, it's not saying think of yourself as insignificant. It's saying hear what it is that's being said at the beginning, which is you're amazingly significant and on the basis of the security of being significant, you can choose knowing that security Knowing that significance, you can choose to prefer somebody else because you're not going to lose anything because you're already the recipient of incredible gifts, incredible future, incredible destiny. You're already members of the royal family. And so as members of the royal family, you can look to others and say, Do you know what? I can give away oodles and oodles and oodles of time, energy and money I'm not gonna lose anything because I've got it all in Christ already. That's what I think it is that Paul is, is that, I know it's not a summary, but it's kind of an exposition of what you're saying. Is that all right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Recognize who you are and then prefer others yeah it's not that they are more significant than you it's just that you're choosing to make them more significant to you in your behavior because you're already the recipients of so many good things over here hello <coughs> my name is Dwayne 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 D-U-A-N-E Dwayne thank yes, you thank you uh -huh. I'm new uh, I also liked the uh, verse that says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Yeah. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And I think practically, it's, it's kind of a prescription for having a great relationship with anybody, yeah. whether it's your wife or your friend or your parents. Yeah. If you're looking to their interests instead of your own, and they're looking to your interests instead of their own, everybody's needs get met. Very good. So it's a great recipe, yeah? For 
relationship. I love it. Love it. What about over there? Oh, you got one right there. Hey, John. I'm John. Hello, John. Well, given the motivations that you just discussed, yeah. uh, Paul says, you know, complete, uh, make my joy complete yeah. by completing the circle. Don't be hoarders of comfort. And uh, my glasses are in my car, so I can't. Uh, <laughs> Does it say that in the Bible? I know it. Common sharing, encouragement. The glasses uh, are in the Bible. It doesn't say that in mine, John. <laughs> That's, in, that's interesting. That's a whole yeah, new, it's in the fuzzy small print. Um, but don't be hoarders of those things. Complete the circle by giving it away and yeah. uh, given the motivations that you just discussed. Okay, so we're receiving something and in the reception of something, there needs to be a way for us to give out what it is that we're getting in. And so we're completing the circle by sharing with others. Is that basically what you're saying there? Fantastic. I love it. Complete. I don't quite know what happened to my usual tidy mind. I know you're laughing at me, tidy mind, sure. Complete the circle by giving. Yeah, I like that. Yes, Aiden. Who have you got over there, Aiden? Hi, I'm Nate. It's usually my wife, Giselle, who that, speaks did up. Did you say Dave again? Nate. Nate. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, okay, Nate. So, I can't take credit for this, but the word that stands out to me is, is the first word, actually, which is therefore. I yeah. was a part of a ministry in the past that would always ask, what's the therefore, therefore, yeah. right? Um, so, looking back to chapter one, which speaks about uh, suffering on Christ's behalf, yeah. Uh, it says to me, if I'm reading it correctly, that these are his instructions for, for how to do that. So living in unity, being like-minded with Christ. Um, so always wanting to look at the, at the context. Okay, so wherefore the therefore? That's what we was always taught in college. Wherefore the therefore? And the context is, I'm assuming you're suggesting, Nate, that it's the way in which the gospel is working in their lives, yeah? Yeah? Is the gospel. Fantastic. I don't think we've got much more room on this whiteboard. Over there. Hi, I'm Michael. Hello, Michael. And what a great name. Right? <laughs> I love that name. It's like I know somebody else who has that name. <laughs> Um, I was looking, I, I like how different versions have, allow us, by looking at different versions, allow yeah, us yeah, that's good. to see different things. Sure. And building off of the, um, the not looking to your own interests, but each of yeah. you. Yeah. Well, I was thrown off a little bit because I have an older NIV and yeah. also in the NASB and, and some of the others. It says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, yeah. but also to the interests of others. Yeah. And thinking about that of if we're only looking towards the interests of others and neglecting our own interests also, yeah. Yeah. It can, uh, it's not going to get us very far. Yeah. Not only yourself. Suggesting that, of course, it's entirely legitimate to recognize specific needs that you have. 
but you get beyond that because you realize what you've received. Yeah, is that about it? Yeah, I mean, Michael, such a brilliant name. Of course, it's a, it's a great insight. Not only yourself, but others. Wow, I spend so much time on my knees at church these days. I think this might be the last one. Yeah, Jeff. Sunny D or Jeff. Sunny D. Yeah, and it's one F, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, what is that a gift to parents? <laughs> Why are the children running around with all their clothes off? Because they've been <laughs> drinking Sunny D. That's right. What's in That's Sunny right. D? Nobody it's knows. It's only got E numbers. That's right. Don't forget it. <laughs> yeah, well, this, this short passage has been a life passage for me and just reflecting what God has stirred in my heart as I've tried to tried really hard to live this out is what I've found interesting is I've found my own identity much deeper my own value yeah I have actually found like a growing understanding of the rest of scripture yeah as I've tried to live out that mind of Christ mm -hmm. so try to live out and discover your identity. Fantastic. Fantastic. Round of applause for everybody who in, was included today. That was awesome. What a great job. What a great job. So, there are, there are a couple of key words in here that that kind of help us really get a hold of what it is that we're feeling after. We're in, we're in a, a kind of darkened room, aren't we? Like the old Indian proverb. We're in a darkened room. One person's feeling in the darkened room and they say, I think it's a rope. Another person's feeling in the darkened room and they say, no, it's a it's, a, it's like a hose pipe of some kind. Another person's feeling in the darkened room, they say, no, no, it's, the, it's a tree. It's got, it's got, a, kind of a, it's got a kind of a root and, a, and, a, and a, a trunk. Another person's reaching out in there, and they say, no, it's, it's some kind of, it's like a leather curtain. Of course, it's an elephant, but they're, they're all feeling after it from a different place and a different perspective. And eventually, we, as Jeff suggested, as we're wrestling with these things and we're, we're looking at these things, we're beginning to say, you know, I think I need the answer to this because if I did live, if I did live by sublimating my needs, and just attending to others. I think that that would be a miserable life and would actually be the kind of life that nobody else wants. So it'd be a difficult one for me to share that as a, as a picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus because who wants that? Because everybody knows, you know, since the days of Maslow back in the middle part of the 20th century, that all of us have a fundamental hierarchy of needs that need to be attended to, otherwise we begin to descend into something that's less than just basic humanity. 
We all need, for instance, we all need productive work of some kind. And if you have no productive work, then what happens is your life begins to decline and descend into a state where you're less than functioning as a, just an ordinary human being. Everybody needs relationships, everybody needs kindness, everybody needs care, everybody needs food and water and shelter. So what is it that Paul's saying when he's saying, make other people more significant in your thinking than yourself? What, what, what is he saying? So we're, we're feeling after it. What is he saying when he says, you would complete my joy if dot, 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 you did certain things. Is, is, is Paul creating just another series of rules? We know that Paul, in his other writing, says that the rule-based life is a life that leads to death. The law kills you, literally is what Paul says. It kills you to live a rule-based life. So, so what is he saying? Because there seems to be some conditionality about what it is that he's saying. Well, there are probably three words that I think you need to understand in this passage to get it. And of course, these three words are words that were written in the original language that Paul was writing in, which is Koine Greek, the common Greek of the people. The first word is parakletos. The second word is koinonia. And the third word, probably the most important of each of them, is the word phoneo. So let's look at what these words are and let's make sure that we understand what it is that they mean so that we can receive what it is that God is saying because he's, he's been prompting us, he's been, he's been stirring us this morning, he's been giving us highlights in the scriptures, he's making us think, we're questioning, we're wondering, what is it? What is it that he's wanting us to understand? Well, these three key words will help us. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. The word encouragement there is the word parakletos. Anybody know where we get the word parakletos in the Bible? Any other place? Holy Spirit. Jeff says Holy Spirit. Somebody else tell me, where does that word occur in the New Testament in relation to the Holy Spirit? Jesus promises his disciples the Holy Spirit and he calls the Holy Spirit another parakletos, another parakletos. So what Jesus is saying to the disciples is, I'm a parakletos and I'm sending you another parakletos because I'm not going to be around physically anymore, but you need a parakletos. Yeah? Everybody good? Everybody following me? So Paul here is saying, 
Therefore, if you have any parakletos from being united with Christ, any parakletos. Well, what's a parakletos? Well, here's the thing. A parakletos was a word that was used to describe a series of different kinds of behavior, different kinds of activity, and sometimes was used as a title for particular jobs. So, say you've got a dispute with a friend, a relative, or a business associate, and you go to court to, to pursue justice for your case. In court, you need somebody to represent you. That person who represents you is the parakletos. So now we have to go back to the passage again. If there is any parakletos from being united with Christ, is there, is there anything that you feel as though you've been needing representation in where you've been needing help and support to get you through the difficulty and trouble that you face. Another situation. Say, say you've got you know, a really complicated problem that you're, that you're facing and you just can't get your mind around it. It's, it just seems like it's just too big. And what you need is somebody who can bring to you the opportunity for you to find a new perspective, a person who can help you kind of look at things from a new angle so that you can, so that you can come up with some answers and some solutions. In our world, we might call that a person a therapist or a counselor, yeah? It's a parakletos. It's a parakletos. Maybe, maybe you're learning a new skill. You've, you've, not, you've not come across this particular situation before and you need a new skill to be able to, to achieve it. So you bought a car, it's an old car, it doesn't have a computer, but it has a carburetor. I know young people, you've never heard of what that is, but it's, a, it's an old thing and it's, you know, they invented them several hundred years ago. And, um, and this old car requires regular maintenance. And what you need is you need somebody who understands what engines were like in those days to kind of help you navigate and to find where the, where the spark plug is. I know we don't have spark plugs anymore. And help you to know where the coil is. I know we don't have a coil anymore. And it helps you to know where the distributor is. I know we don't have a distributor anymore. And it helps you to know where the car I know we don't have a carburetor. So, but old cars used to have all of those things. And what you need is an expert who can apprentice you. That's called a parakletos. Are you starting to get what it is? A parakletos is a person who steps in to help you with whatever challenge or difficulty you're facing. Paul says, 
If you've got any experience of Jesus stepping in and helping you with your difficulties and problems, I want you to know that that is hugely important. How many people in this building feel like God has answered a prayer in the last month? Almost everybody. How many people feel as though you've had a kind of a big problem that you've really needed to wrestle with that you feel as though God has helped you with in the last few weeks? How many of you have, like me, faced a really new situation that you've not really encountered before, but you feel as though God stepped in to help you with that new situation so that you can somehow come to terms with that new situation and be able to succeed in it. Anybody else? You have the experience of meeting Jesus the Paracletos. Therefore, if you have any experience of the Paracletos from being united with Christ, so that's all of us then, isn't it? Yeah? All of us have experienced the Paracletos. And then, and then Paul goes on to say, well, maybe that Paracletos has brought comfort to you. Maybe that Paracletos has helped you with other people in your life so that you can function together because they've got the same Paracletos operating in their life. Jesus is the Paracletos. Jesus is the one that we need. He's our advocate. He's our counselor. He's our friend. He is our leader, our guide. But he's working in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, maybe as you experience Jesus the Paracletos working through you, through the Spirit who is another Paracletos, maybe you encounter other people who've had the same experience. Did you look around the building? You see the hands going up? It's called koinonia. That's what that's called. It's a common experience. Just put your hands up if, uh, if you put your hands up the first time around. Put your hands up. Okay, hold them up. Hold them up. Now look around. Look right around. Go, look over there as well. That is koinonia. So, how does it work? Well, koinonia works like this. There's Missy with her paracletos. And there's Laura with her paracletos. And they meet up on a Tuesday night because they come to prayer on Tuesday night like all the best people. <laughs> and they sit on the front row and they begin to share with one another what's been going on. Well, how, how, how you been? Well, you know, this new thing going, oh, that's interesting, yeah. And, and what about the new, well, it's, yeah, it's kind of really good. 
and how's the Parakletos? And you're like, well, you know, he seems to be doing really well. You know, I'm getting a lot out of the Parakletos these days. That's koinonia. That's koinonia. So, it's a really important thing that Paul is revealing to us here. He's saying, he's saying, all of us are going to be experiencing the the work of God in our lives by His Spirit who is representing Jesus, who is our guide, our counselor, our advocate, our all. And the Holy Spirit's going to be working in us. And as he's working in us, he's going to be working in other people too. And as he's working in other people too, the thing to do is to find out what it is that he's doing. Find out what it is that he's doing in other people's lives because then you think, well, I'm a child of God. They're a child of God. I've got the Parakletos doing something in my life. The Holy Spirit is doing the things that Jesus would do in my life. He's doing the same things in that other person, but he's doing different ways. Maybe those different ways could be my ways as well. Yeah? So now, now we begin to create a place where we're hearing what it is that Jesus is doing in other people's lives and it begins to open up to us a sense of hope. A sense of possibility. Jesus, the Parakletos, healed that person. Maybe he could heal me. Jesus, the Parakletos, helped that person with their financial difficulties. Maybe the Parakletos can do that for me. Jesus helped that person over there resolve their relational dispute. Maybe he can do that for me. So now we're beginning to see what it is that Paul is talking about. But still, we haven't got to that fundamental word that's going to bring it all together for us. Let me just continue to read. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, by the way, the word there sounds like a camel spitting. It's a really weird word. Splagna. Thank you. Splagna. And what it refers to are the soft muscles of the gut. Splagna. If there's any way in which as Jesus has been working in your life by the Spirit, you can share with someone the way in which that's moved you. The way in which that's inspired you. The way in which that's transformed you and changed you. Then make my joy complete by being... Now what is that word again? Here it is. Proneo. Proneo. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Proneo is used twice there. 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, praneo, as Christ Jesus. So what is it then that Jesus is saying? Let me just, uh, let me just turn this around and erase what we've got on this board. Because it's really key that we get this. Because this kind of helps us to understand what it is that is the great gift of the good news the great gift of the gospel, the great gift of the parakletos working in our lives. What is it that in the end will change us from people who are always pulling on the thread of self-improvement and discovering transformation instead of continuous challenge to try to be better what is it Paul is saying look the way this all works is that your focus will lead to behavior So what you focus on will in fact influence your behavior. And if you focus on yourself, then your behavior will reflect that because in the end what will happen is that you'll assume that you are the only one who can do this thing that's in front of you that's yours to do. And so, in the end, what so often happens is that we find ourselves overwhelmed and then eventually burned out by all of the things that we've got to do. Ask a young mother with children. How they don't all burn out, I don't know. If you focus on yourself, then, of course, it will dictate your behavior. And you'll go and see other people who seem to have greater capacity than you, who seem to have greater strength than you, and you'll say to them, you know, how is it you, how is it you manage? And they'll say, well, you know, I, I organize my, um, my schedule like this. And you go, oh, okay, so I'm going to do that. And I, uh, I get up two hours earlier every day. Oh, okay. And then on a really busy day, I spend another two hours in prayer. You think, oh, okay, okay. And you think, I, I don't know, I mean, uh, I don't know whether I can do that. So you try it for a week, and then you stop. So we've talked a lot about identity. And if you think that your identity is just you, yourself, and I, then of course, That'll be the main source of change. That'll be the main source of encouragement. That'll be the main source of everything in your life. 
But if your identity is in Christ, it's entirely different. It's entirely different. You see, what Jesus offers us is not just help. He offers himself. He doesn't offer just a series of ways out of the problems that we face. There's lots of them in the Bible and they're great. He doesn't offer us a series of things that we could do better so that we have an improved life that's better than it used to be. There's lots of those in the Bible and they're great. But if you focus there, you'll end up like everybody else, which is just trying really hard to achieve the things that you know are almost impossible for you to do. What Jesus offers is this. He offers himself dwelling within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And when he comes to dwell in us, he doesn't leave anything of himself outside. Do you think Jesus can work stuff out that we can't work out? Anybody in the room would agree with that? Well, isn't that better than us trying to work it out? So he comes and takes up residence and we have the mind of Christ within us. And he's running the universe right now and has got spare capacity because he's an eternal, all-powerful, all-encompassing God. And he comes to take up residence in us. And when he comes, he comes with all of his dignity and he comes with all of his power and he says to us, I am making you a co-heir in my kingdom. So I'm making you equal with me. I know it's ridiculous. But this is literally what it says in the Bible. Romans 8, read it. He says, I'm making you equal with me. Nobody feels like they're equal with Jesus, do they? Do you? I mean, you don't feel it. But it is true. So he's made you equal with himself. Is there any higher place in the universe? If there's no higher place in the universe, the only place you can do is to step down. But when you step down, you're not going to lose anything because you've got it all. And so here I am on the stage of the identity of Jesus. And he says, this is all yours. He says, but I want you to go and shake hands with Jeff. And I say, yeah, but I'm up here. And he says, yeah, I know that, but you, you, this is your place. You're allowed to be up here. This is your place. I say, okay. Am I allowed back soon? Yeah, you're allowed back anytime you want. Well, okay, I'll, I'll go down then. All right. And is there anything else I need to do with Jeff? No, you don't. You don't even have to hug him. <laughs> and here's the thing. I was allowed back up again. Nobody stopped me. It's my place. 
This is a gift of Jesus. He's made us co-heirs with him. You can't be any more significant even if you tried. Do you ever wake up in the morning and think, I don't feel very significant today? I do. Is it true or not? It's not true. What is true is what it is that Jesus has done by his death on the cross, by his resurrection, and by him sending the Spirit. When he sent the Spirit, he made it possible for us to appropriate the gift of salvation. And the gift of salvation is this, that you are one with Christ. One with him. And so the rest of our life, we are going to spend, and when I say the rest of our life, I mean for eternity, we're going to spend the rest of our life here on earth and in heaven working out what that means. Because it's unbelievably mind-blowing. None of us lose anything by loving and serving another person because you can't. Because it's a gift. It's not a prize that you've won. It's not a credit that you can lose. It's a gift that is yours permanently and mine. Jesus has made us one with him. And so when he says, step down, he's not saying, make yourself smaller than someone else. He's saying, you can't lose anything. Now next week, we're going to look at the way in which the attitude the mental mindset of Jesus how that worked out in his life and the way it worked out in his life that is he became a servant of all and the reason Jesus was able to do that without it crushing his spirit is because he couldn't lose his status as the son of God so today today as you leave this building and you engage with the world and you meet your colleagues tomorrow who you don't like and your children who you like even less. <laughs> As you engage with the world, engage with the world as the child of God. As the one who is one with Christ. You know, when Jesus gives us gifts, it's like taking a bucket of water out of the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean doesn't even notice. Yeah? Who knows how many buckets there are in the Pacific? It's like that, but even bigger with Jesus. When he gives us what it is that we need to achieve whatever it is that we need to achieve, it's an unlimited supply, unlimited supply. The identity that we have in him has an unlimited nature to it. It's never ever gonna be exhausted. You're never ever gonna lose it. You can never ever be placed in threat of not being a child of God. And so, what we do is we recognize that we are in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, Christ by his spirit 
is working as my paracletos today and he's helping me to do the things that I need to do just like he helped Jesus do the things that he needed to do when he was here on earth. And so we look at Jesus and we get a model of what it means to function. And as we move through our life, we're not losing any of our identity. We're not losing any of our significance. We're not losing any of our status. We're not losing any sense of security at all. Jesus comes and works within us to remind us of who we are and says, now, as the queen of the universe, I want you to give that person a gift. As the king of the universe, I want you to give that person a gift. And you say, well, I'm not the queen of the universe. He said, what do you mean? I've shared it with you. You don't have it individually. You don't have it by yourself, but collectively with all of the other children, yeah, you can call yourself that. That's your status. You are equal, co-equal with Christ, co-heirs with Christ. He has made you a child of God. You have the same status. And of course, what that means is that we turn to worship, love and praise because we say, Lord, we can't possibly deserve this. How could we ever deserve this? And yet you've given it to us. So it doesn't stop you from worshipping. It doesn't stop you from adoring him. It doesn't stop you from just giving him all of the adulation because he's brought you into this amazing place of status. And from that place of status, Jesus says, give them gifts that they need. There's another one of my children over there. They don't remember who they are today. Why don't you go and help them? There's another child of mine over there. They, they don't remember what it's like today. But you don't have to be, you don't have to be kind of bossy. Just go and, go and give them the thing that I've got for them. Are we getting it? Yes. 